Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast is brought to you by Hustler Hollywood, your one-stop shop for all things erotica, with 11 stores across the United States. Our sexy shelves are stocked with DVDs, books, lingerie, vibrators, butt plugs, lubricants, fetish gear, and bachelorette party supplies. At Hustler Hollywood, we know that sex is free. We only sell the accessories. If you're at our flagship store in the Sunset Strip, located across the street from the world-famous Rainbow Roxy and Whiskey, mention Energize and you'll get a delicious discount on something delightfully dangerous. LF and LF, Lawn Friend and Larry Flint, energetically connected for more than 30 years. Scotty, Energize. Energize. Good evening, my friends. I am live from San Pedro, California, in the studio that made me a near legend and forgot about me as soon as I left. Not really. This is Lawn Friend. This is Energize. It's a special show tonight because I don't have a show anymore, <laughs> technically. But to show how easygoing we are here down here in the LBC in the San Pedro area, and while Mike Starr, my producer and engineer, is so forgiving of me bailing on him and moving out to the desert... Spending most of my time writing about Cirque de Soleil shows and following broken women to the ends of their street. <laughs> Energize is back for one night only. Thank you. It's uh, July the 14th, 2014. And, I mean, I'm really kind of emotional to be back. Uh, thanks. So I needed some kind of like moral support to do this. Not to just come in here naked and alone and just talk about things, because things are okay. I'll catch up. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's my Howard Stern impression. Uh, I called my buddy Fred Corey from the great band Cinderella, who also was does the music to one of the most popular shows on television right now called The Night Shift. Fred Corey said, I'll pick you up, Lon. I'll come down and do the show with you. And we'll just talk, because we've known each other for 26 years, and I love them. And hi, Fred. Hi, Lon. <laughs> How are you? <clears throat> so we had we had some dinner, and we're going to get started with some really probing questions. First of all, how's it going? Going great. You've been really busy, too, because we exchanged a couple of texts during the Stanley Cup because you're very much a Kings guy. Like, you're getting a ring. Maybe. I got a ring on the last one. You got a ring in 2012. But tell the fans, because I really missed being in L.A. during the Stanley Cup. I watched the finals at a place called Distill. It's a restaurant bar. Very cool place in Summerlin across from the Red Rock Casino where my brother works and there's a waitress there a bartender named chanel who's i've known since like the first time i went to vegas in 03 and the manager there dan i i i, I mentioned him recently this is all about people being nice to me because i pass on love right so i'm at a kansas show at the red rock pool <laughs> and after the show and i have this hat that says distill on it the name of their 
restaurant. So I take a picture with the eye with the eye patch dude from Kansas, the guitar original guitarist. And and then I send him the picture. I go, you could use this on your social media. He goes, anytime you come in here, you're covered. Wow. So I go in and I walk, and he's got screens everywhere, and the food's kick ass, and the and he brings me all these beers from places I've never heard of. He goes, this is called the monkey piss. I, it has some name. He goes, I keep it under the bar. I don't even serve this beer. I go, okay, cool. I'm not. You know me, Fred. I don't drink really, but I have one of these beers, which is. It's it's like tequila. It's so strong. Mm-hmm. Came in uh, game five against the Hawks. Had my spot in with my own huge HD right in front of me. Couple of friends, locals, Vegas, sitting with me, and I watched that epic game five, and I felt just so connected to. Los Angeles, but I was in the you know Vegas. It was great. What was it like for you to watch this this finals of this entire Stanley Cup? <clears throat> well, first of all, none of us thought we'd be there. Nobody. None of us. Uh, after the first series, we were like, "All right, well." Uh, everybody joked with each other. What are you going to do? Your vacation starts tomorrow. <laughs> and it's like okay. And every time we'd be in the series. All the fans would say, well, I'll see you next year to the their neighbors if in their seats. See you next year. Yeah. Okay, bye. And they'd go off and destroy the other team yeah. and come back and, uh, well, we're starting this again. The energy, it's really weird. You can, you can feel the energy when they're going to win. And you can feel it at the beginning of the game. And many times we'd be, you know, sometimes I'll sit up top in production booth and sometimes I sit in my seats. And we will say it, there's no energy in this room tonight before the puck drops or maybe within the first 20 seconds of the game. And uh, it, it's usually the, the proper prediction for the outcome of the game. That night on game five, it's like there's an... We still weren't getting too uh, confident because of what had That happened, happened two years previous. Yeah, you just, so we... But... We felt the energy, and everyone was saying, there's just this weird electricity in here. And it just kept building and building and building and building. And it was, uh, I think when, when we won it, the first time, people just went crazy. It was Danielle was there. Yeah, ridiculous. And then this time, everybody was just saying, oh my gosh, we just won it again. It was more like shock and awe than exuberance. <laughs> yes, every. We just won the Stanley Cup again. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. Yeah, it's you can't describe it. You have personal relationships with some of the players? Um, with Luke and, and a lot of the... Who, by the, the way, was a RIP subscriber. Of course he was. Yeah. He's a rocker from way back. Totally. He, um, uh, he's the one that hired me mm-hmm. six years ago. Mm-hmm. And he had an idea to, to develop. He wanted to do something different. For the Kings, we have our logo, we have our this and that. We want our own sound, and so that's how I got the the job. Really, he put it together, and he said, "We're going to create a job, and you're going to be the guy." And um, I, I, you know, I've met some of the players, but uh, I, I really don't know. So your any job of them. is specifically to keep that room rocking with tunes, right? I call it in-game energy. Okay. Yeah. So it's like anything. But you're a DJ. 
I'm not a DJ. Okay. I'm not. They have a DJ. Okay. They also have the organist, uh, Dieter Rule. Dieter Rule, right. So I do the, like, the gold song. I did that at my studio. Okay. And had some of my friends and Amy and right. everybody just chant the, hey, 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 hey. And then I give it to the Kings and then they play it. And same with the opening. So if there's, you know, they want to come out to the ice, yeah. I've written a piece, I've written the theme. Okay. I perform it, put it on tape. Okay. Give it to them, they play it. And then for TV commercials or whatever, I score the video and work closely with the video team. And, but I am not a DJ. No. no. But I don't have the That's what Tommy of, Nast used to do, right? Or does he still? I see him all the time. He's not, uh, he doesn't do it for the Kings, right. but uh, I think he does he run the country club. I don't know. No, is it a country club? What's it called? Agora. Canyon Club? Canyon Club. Wow. Yeah. I, I worked for Tommy. At Album Network yeah. in 1993. The Nasty News. I did the R-A-W-K section. Oh, yeah. And I had a column, and I had a show. It's just past 21 years. <laughs> Whatever. When the Kings sucked. Although 92, they had, they had a good season. But, hey, cool. All right, so Lon <laughs> Friend is here. Uh, Energize, Fred Corey. The audience of locals is here. Walter, Wendy, and Danielle. And I was just, we were just talking about records we've been listening to. And I said the new Rival Sons record was pretty badass. And Wendy, they're homegrown. They are from these streets, Long Beach. And now they've blown up, and Jimmy Page loves them. Mm. Yeah, they're just so good. Yeah. We saw them at Fingerprints Record Store. What was that, 2012? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know who they were until uh, Dieter at the Kings played them uh, on a break and I, I texted him really quickly who is this <laughs> and then he sent me the name and I was like oh my gosh yeah. and I just fell in love with him and then I, maybe a month ago I texted Tom Kiefer yeah. and said uh, have you heard of this band he said no well, actually he said someone else mentioned them right. I said just do yourself a favor go check them out and they were great then, there were three bands that I gave him them Fun, fun. Who I love, fun, mm-hmm. and um, and AWOL Nation. Mm, I think that AWOL that Nation. sale is mm-hmm. one of the best produced yeah. songs that of all time. If you're gonna so talk, great. Danielle, you have a mic in front of your face. I was just saying that whole album, Megalithic Symphony. I think it's called from AWOL Nation. Amazing. So great. There's a lot of great music out there. There is a lot of people mm-hmm. that don't want to listen to new music, um, but there is there there's a there are a lot of good bands, and there's a lot of great uh, music. You just gotta open your open your ears, mm-hmm. yeah, it, because it's it's really awesome. Yeah, Absolutely. and it crosses the boundaries. It's not just rock. It's not dance. It's Mm-mm. it encompasses all of it. And Do you know it, who I saw last night? Larue, Larue. Holy oh my God, Timoli. she is so fucking cool, and she's got this keyboard player that just kind of sits there and taps. But there's this fashion attraction to them. They opened for New Order at the uh, Greek Theater, mm-hmm. Larue, and everybody around me was singing their song. Yeah, she's got this like do and shit. She looks like she'd walk into a room in 1983 with Brian Ferry. That's mm-hmm. that's what she looks mm-hmm. like. So cool. I know it's cool. Yeah, it's really and cool. and and I'm walking around the sold out Greek Theater, and 
I'd say 70% of the people there weren't alive when Joy Division was making, <laughs> recording yeah. their records. I mean, they, they were, they'd have no clue what Newcastle or England or Manchester, England or the Happy Mondays scene. But then fucking the encore, they do Love Will Tear Us Apart and everybody's singing it. Mm-hmm. Like it's been on K-Rock in the last couple of weeks. We're, how do they know? That's the magic. People are connected, and it doesn't matter how old you are. Go back. These old guys from England, they're just still kicking it. We know. We go out and see these old rockers that are fucking still kicking it. Go and see the Eagles. They're still kicking it. See Iron Maiden. They're still kicking it. Hey, I got asked today to do some liner notes for an Iron Maiden Uh, compilation. That's huge. Now, I did the essential Iron Maiden years ago, and this guy, the first time I ever ever got any gig from LinkedIn. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you the lawn friend that wrote the liner notes to the essential Iron Man? I go, yep. He goes, well, we're doing a new one, a new 2014 compliment. We'd like, you know, you'd, and I said, I'm honored. No Fantastic. problem. I don't care what you pay. I'll just, I don't make any money anyway. <laughs> I do everything for love. I said, I'm good. He says, here are the parameters. I go, I'm good with the tone, the tab, and the tribute. <laughs> 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 so that's it. Yeah, I got a gig today. Woohoo! Nice. Closed my eBay store. Now I don't have to sell the Iron Maiden itinerary from the uh, Wicker Man tour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right on. Lawn Fred's making money again, doing what he does best. Writing. <laughs> Yahoo! Can I get a golf clap? Thank you. You. Hey, British Open coming up. <laughs> All right. Okay, love. love's in the house. Um, so I asked Fred what he wanted to hear first, what tune he wanted to hear first. He goes, how about some cheap trick? I go, okay. So we're going to play some Dream Police, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about dreams, wet ones, dry ones. And later on in this very spontaneous, semi-spontaneous broadcast, you're going to hear some crazy shit. 2000, I interviewed Gene Simmons at, for KNAC.com, and I found the CD that had one hour of Gene and I speaking to each other at the Mandalay Bay, how prophetic, in Las Vegas, February of 2000, and Gene gets into some really, like, religion and the Middle East, and there's some stuff on there that is timeless and geneless. So that's coming up later. Uh, this is a one-time-only comeback show for Friend. It's called Energize. It's my podcast. And let's hear some cheap trick thanks, Pete.
awake, they won't let me alone. They don't get paid to take vacations, I'll let me alone. They spy on me, I try to hide, they won't let me alone. They persecute me, then the judge and jury on it. trick wait mike i want to play the rival son song and then i want to come back okay hey look at you guys did you miss me no cards and letters what did i get two there wasn't a grassroots movement to bring me back on the air i just showed up here because these are my friends It's, it, you, they're, 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 there's not a petition at city hall in san pedro please Get Lawn Friend back on the air. Tom Morello isn't out in the street shredding to get me back on the air. I believe he might be. Really, Fred? I think so. Yeah. Most people would be. No. Yes, You're... yes, yes, yes. Yes, they are. No. Yeah, they, they are. My self-deprecation is my illumination. Mm. In the ghetto AWOL nation. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to play the Rival Sons because this is their Long Beach bread and... And I wanted to Fred to hear because he's, he's into it. Then we'll come back and talk some more because we're going to talk Twisters. We're going to talk Pirates, Somali Pirates. We're going to talk Captain Phillips. And and we we may even get into some early Nikki Six stories. Maybe. Okay, it's Energize. <laughs> Sure. 
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, July 14th. I think this is our 54th episode. Uh, it's been three months or so since the last one, but I'm happy to be here on this one-time visit to San Pedro, California, and Fred Gorey is in the studio with me. And we just uh, really relished one of our favorite... They're not that new, but they're new now. They're gaining traction, uh, Rival Sons, from the LBC. That was a badass song, wasn't it, man? Yeah, they seem like they, they record the old way. They Those do. sounds are not... It's, you know, they're doing the old school thing. Yeah, tapes and digital. Yeah. No, no, tapes and Neve and Just things warm like that. and fat and analog-y. Yeah, yeah. I probably, they did it in their basement on Pro Tools, but who knows? <laughs> I don't but know. But they fooled me. Either they way. They fooled everybody. They fooled me, and so it sounds old we hear, and real. We hear, like, your eye heap in there. 
mm-hmm. and you were you just told me that um, Ken Hensley played on uh, a Cinderella record. Yeah, Heartbreak Station. He played. Uh, I think he played uh, clavinet. So you it. had like a '70s guy. We had spirit of '70s in there. We had John Paul Jones on that record, dude. How was that? It was quite good to see. Uh, it's wonderful <laughs> playing with you young cats these days. Uh, wonderful, it's great. Uh, he was great. Is that he he uh, conducted the strings. He conducted the strings in New York City. Yeah, and he was quite quite fantastic, being yeah. one of the Led Zeppeliners. Yeah, man. Yes, I know. He was great. Who else do we have? We had, uh, what's his name? The boys are back in town. Remember that guy? Remember that song, The yes. Bus Boys? Yeah. Yeah. Boys are back in town. Back in town. No. No, that's that's the boys are back in town. No. No. He's, he's been dead too this long the, to uh, tract with the, Cinderella. Uh, the, the, the Bus Boys. I, bus I, Boys. I believe I did say that. What was his name? Hmm. Stayed at my house. Yeah. Ate a lot of food. They did a Huey Lewis cover. He was great. They he played, did. He played piano on the record. Because we're hot and so do, 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 do. The Bus Boys bam. did that song. Yeah. I met the Bus Boys. Brian O'Neill? Yes. Right? That was him. I met him with Guns N' Roses because he was friends with with the Guns N' Roses guys. Yeah, I think Slash I met them through him or vice versa. Duff, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. He was, we had a lot of guests on the record. Well, Probably just those three, but it's pretty good. Speaking of Kansas, uh, oh, Rich Williams, eye patch. No, I was actually going to say we were in. Uh, we were recording in a place called uh, Studio in the Country in Bogalusa, Louisiana. That? Oh shit! It's way out in the middle of the. Sticks. That's where you marry your cousin. It really is, <laughs> and um, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's like it's your sister or nothing. It's your cousin. <laughs> you can't prove it. You Ern- can't prove it in court. Ern- Ernest, come in here and say hello to your cousin Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you to meet my mama and my sister. And there's only one person standing there. <laughs> so That's so Chinatown. Uh, yeah, I know. She's my sister <laughs> and my daughter. <laughs> oh, Faye. Uh. <laughs> Chips are black. <laughs> the felt is green. John Houston. Uh. Kodak. <laughs> <laughs> we connected to pop culture, man. These are the things we see. Oh, so anyway, f- what about the Louisiana? Sorry. <clears throat> you want me to start singing Randy That's Newman? Mr. Crowley. Louisiana. Oh, Mr. Crowley, the oh, shift is one. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Crowley. <laughs> so. Yeah. Fred is Fred. I Fred. So. Sharon Fredzi. I, uh. Yeah, so it was out in the country, and that's, uh, I, I believe they recorded the electric guitar, uh, I mean, the uh, acoustic guitar for Dustin Wynn in the bathroom. Shut up. Yeah, I think that was the uh, rumor going around there, and I, I believe it was true. Something Steve Walsh. I close my eyes. It's more like Bobby Walsh, his cousin. I mean, the right lyrics. Just before the moment and the moment's gone. That's pretty right on. He just left the band. Oh, that is so sad because that was my first concert, and I saw him do handstands while he was playing. Wow, dude. The only, on the keyboard. 
The only other person I saw that animated as a keyboardist. Keith live. Emerson. No. I'll give you two more I guesses. saw brain cell surgery tour right here at the Long Beach Arena, ladies and gentlemen. 1974. Yeah, no, I don't think it was. I think even more so. Way more animated. Like out of control. Edgar Winter? No. Keyboards, right? Well, well, piano, let me, keyboards. Let me try to guess. Elton John? No. Billy Joel? Yes. Yes. Billy Joel Nailed was it. out of control. Dude, I've I never saw the Turnstile show at the Santa Monica Civic. He went nuts on the, on the Nuts. He, yeah, he's great. One nuts. Of my, well, my number one favorite artist. There's a place in the world where the younger young man with his working class dies and his radical plans. He refuses to bend. He refuses to fall. Okay. Yes, fantastic. Dude, I go back. You do. That is that is nice. I go back. That is nice. Yeah, my favorite artist, Billy Joel. Love Billy. Do I hear my Billy Joel story? One of them? I would like to. Okay. Um, I'm with Bon Jovi in Tokyo, New Year's Eve. I believe you were there! I was there. Fucking hey, you were! <laughs> Synchronicity! Because it was Bon Jovi, Skid Row, fucking Cinderella was on that show! 1991 New Year's Eve, Tokyo Dome. Big Egg. And we stayed at the, to the Tokyo, Capital Tokyo Hotel... And some of the crew was at the Rapungi. Rapungi Prince. And they said yeah. to meet him at the Lexington Queen, which yeah. is where all the American models used to hang. Downstairs. Out. Yeah. So Lexington Queen, I'm the, in there with fucking Sebastian, who is starting to power back cocktails in his the way he was, loud and and courageous and still is damaged. No, but he doesn't drink anymore, dude. I no, saw him at the But M3. he's still loud and courageous. Still loud and courageous and and animated and he you know, he's Sebastian. He's awesome. He is. Yeah. He is. He's an amazing guy for a Canadian. I love the Canadians. I do too. I want to be Canadian I know. one day. Dude, hockey. Born there. I know, see. We we would not have hockey without the hosers. I know I love them. So <clears throat> it's getting late, but a, a, a short man with uh, with just a kind of a bad attitude walks in and sits down, and it's fucking Billy Joel because he's playing Tokyo Dome two nights after Bon Jovi. Yes. So Billy sits down, and he starts drinking with Sebastian, and they go into this kind of like New Jersey duel, <laughs> New York, New Jersey, Long Island battle. Who's going to drink more? Who's going to be standing? Now, Sebastian's twice the size of Billy Joel. And my memory is, is Billy left Sebastian there and, and just walked out like floating, tap dancing. Two nights after Bon Jovi and you and Skid Row play Tokyo Dome, Billy invites Richie Sambora to their show, 50,000 people. And Richie calls me and goes, you want to see Billy Joel? I go, yeah. So Richie picks me up. We go to the show. And Billy puts two chairs. Oh, boy. Right, right off stage, like behind the curtain. And we watch Billy, me and Richie, sitting in two chairs, like folding chairs, 30 feet away from his grand piano. And looking out over 50,000 Japanese fucking fans singing. Sing us a song, you're the final man. Sing us a song tonight, cause we're all in the mood for the melody or memory. 
Memory. <laughs> Dude, it was so awesome. Uh, it was so awesome. Yeah, but <laughs> oh man, oh, it's so awesome. So I I so fucking I'm, forgot that you were I'm, on that bill. Yeah, that now night. I'm sad that I I missed Billy Joel. Yeah. It was right there. He was right there, dude. You I've didn't never stay. met the man. You didn't stay in Japan to, because, see, I was doing the Bon Jovi cover story, and Ross Alphen was there was there with traveling with me, and we went to Yokohama after that and played in the Yokohama arena, and that's where we shot the that, which I will call mildly iconic cover, Bon Jovi Dead or Alive. I wrote the cover line, wrote the story, and there's a picture, and then John is forward, and Richie's sort of standing in the shadow. On the dock in the water, it it was great. It was an awesome trip. Anyway, it was recalled. It was recalled in the behind the music on Bon Jovi, mm-hmm. which I was interviewed for. And after that, John sent me. I was at knac.com two thousand when, when I did the Kiss interview, same time. And John sent me a bottle of champagne with a handwritten card. Thank you for that interview. Uh, whatever you need, I'm there for you, something like that. And uh, I sold that handwritten card on eBay. I think I, I think I got 75 bucks for it. Oh, wow. You know, times were hard. Yeah. Yeah. Times are hard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the eye patch of Rich Williams brings us to Pirates. Pirates. Watch pirates, this segue. Pirates, pirates. Okay, so you and I are Captain Phillips Look fans. at me now. Look at me. Look at Look me. at me. I am the captain I am now. the captain <laughs> Look at me. I saw it for about the fourth time on HBO a couple of weeks ago. I saw it in the movie theater three or you, four times. You you are you love that movie because you love pirates. I just I thought it was fascinating. We went. Uh, I was in Phoenix. It was around Christmas time. Went to the movies. What is this, Captain Phillips? It's got Tom Hanks. Probably pretty good. Gotta be Tom Hanks. It's I nice. like the water, obviously. Yeah. So let's go do it. And I was just blown. First of all, I was blown away by the soundtrack. I, I fell in love with it. <laughs> what was it about the soundtrack? It was good. It was just great. So I went home that I night. I mean, it has that kind of Alfred, that, that just, Hitchcockian, no, it's got, you Bernard know, Herman. Tension. There's tension. In it, that there soundtrack. was a lot of tension. And uh, I don't know, something about that soundtrack moved me. So I went home and I bought it that night. And then. Uh, and then I I fell in love with that, so I wanted to see what went with the picture. I went back and saw it again, and then wow. I fell in love with it. It was the same. music was first. The music first on that one. That's interesting. And then I went back again, and then I went back again, then I went back again, and I have the record, and I listen to it all the time. And um, I don't know. It really told this that that is that does what movie soundtrack music mm-hmm. is well with any. TV or movie music needs well, to do it tells the story the score through the through the music yeah and um, and then I started studying about Somali pirates and there's a documentary called Stolen Seas you can get it on on iTunes okay or any of your Netflix iTunes yeah it might be on Netflix. or we can pirate it oh wouldn't that be ironic <laughs> that would be uh, so uh, but anyway uh, you know it, off that horn of Africa, they bring these, you know, millions and millions of millions of dollars worth of of uh, loot, whatever that may be, yeah. down right in front of one of the poorest countries in the world. And just off their, 
their coast and they were just you know parading it by them and these guys figured that they can go out there with a couple of little skiffs and board these boats and none of them were armed at the time and the one that we know most about is at Maersk Alabama but there were hundreds uh, other uh, hundreds of other ones and uh, you know I was uh, reading about this guy Ali something mm-hmm. not Baba but mm-hmm. and uh, his last take was 12 million dollars it was a 10 month negotiation but wow. so they negotiate with these companies which are usually Danish or something like that and uh, they'll uh, they'll negotiate, and the Danish company they they just want to get the price down. They know they're going to have to pay millions, but they want to get the price down because uh, every day that that boat they commandeer the boat, and so if you you see this this documentary, you'll see just a bunch of yeah, old yeah. ships just on their sides, and just you know, Fuck. it's incredible. And so they want to pay just pay whatever the ransom is and get that thing back on the could that could be you know yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. of income so get that thing back out and uh f- the majority of hostages are treated rather well like and Cap- not well like, like but captain not, phillips not treated poorly yeah uh and uh, you know they let them go and there a few have been killed and, and whatnot. sure uh but it's just fascinating isn't it odd that our our cultural impression for so many decades was Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. Yeah. We pillage, we plunder, we rape, and we steal. Boop up, be hard as yo ho. Yeah, those were rock bands. They went into <laughs> town, they did what well, they do, uh, and then they move on. This well, is different. When I interviewed, uh, when I did interviews for this uh, DVD for um, uh, ACDC's last Bon Scott recorded concert, and I, I, I set up some interviews, and, and one thing that Lemmy, during his interview, God bless Lemmy, I love him. I hope he's doing good. I don't know. He said there's three pirates in rock and roll. Bon Scott, Keith Richards. And me. And me. <laughs> of course. Is <laughs> it there's only three real pirates. None. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. So how we have pirate theme, Rich Williams Patch, Pirates of the Caribbean, Smallies. Hey, we talked about Uriah Heep. So listen, Mike, I know you don't have it queued up, but Find Stealing by Uriah Heep. I don't know the song. Yeah, you do. I do? Yeah. You know it. Trust me. But that's a pirate song. Is it? It's kind of a love song, but it's a pirate. It's, it's got pirate theme. Hmm. Okay. So what do I have to play right now? What, what else did I give you, Mike? I gave you another track, new track that I wanted to hear. Obviously. All fall down. All fall down. That's the name of the track. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Listen to this, Fred, because you're gonna like this too. Then we'll come back and talk some more. This is Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. No script. Addicted to the pain I 
Energize the Line Friend Podcast. Okay, that's California Breed. That's our friend Glenn Hughes' new project with Jason Bonham, son of John Bonham, one of Fred Corey's heroes. Indeed. Hello. Can't hear you. Where are you? Hi there. There you are. Okay, so what do you like hearing those drums? Do you feel like there's a D- the DNA has been probably passed on when you hear Jason play? I do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that is that is the What the is true... that, the new arena rock there? That too? That? That's new arena rock? Is that what we call it? New jam band to me. Jam Because it's just fun. It's good. It's, you know, everybody's good and they just, something that sounds good. Don't make me answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm friends with them. <laughs> That's the hard part about being a musician and talking about other musicians. Right? Yeah. yeah. Who do you feel comfortable talking about since you're such a good guy yeah. and people like you? Well, 
We talked about Nikki Six, nineteen eighty-three, four. No. When you were his roommate, I wasn't his roommate. When you lived in that uh, near him in the apartment building where he, I didn't live near him. What was that story you told me? It was such a good story. Well, that's you know part of that. It's gonna be difficult. I was living with the the other guys, GNR fellas. Uh, right. And he came to visit with Izzy. Yeah. Right. That stayed off the radar for this many years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, tell us, tell us, tell the story. We all went out that night. It was awesome. It was uh, Nikki, right, and Robin Crosby, right. I believe Tracy Guns, right, slash, right, Stephen Adler, yes. Um, what year? I don't 84, know. Four eighty five. No, 86. it was definitely after eighty seven, maybe eighty eight. Oh, wow, that's GNR then. Eighty eight. It was GNR. It was it was the guys. Okay. And uh, I think we went to, I don't know. We went out. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. We came back. Oh jeez. It was a great night. What, what is that? <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> Nikki made some popcorn. We watched a couple of movies. <laughs> yeah, everybody went home. It was great. Everybody passed out. Yeah, it was fantastic. Very, no very girls. Nice. We didn't invite any chicks that night. No, guys night, you know. <laughs> Plus, we didn't want to see them all in our PJs. Yes. <laughs> How about you showing up for the rip shoot for Cinderella in pajamas? Well, little did we know that we weren't invited. So Well, Tom was invited. Tom was invited, and he was dressed to the nines, yeah. full rock star. Yeah. And Jeff and I, yeah, was it Jeff? It was Jeff and I, and we were out skateboarding or doing whatever, and yeah. walking around. It was in the eighties, and jams were big. We all looked like the Fresh Prince. Yeah, and we were walking around, and uh, we were gonna come by and and see Lon. This is rip. This is some big stuff. Never had a cover before. So, oh man, I think that really made Tom mad because it was his cover. There's just going to be him looking like a superstar and here come these two goons me and Jeff and somebody maybe you what who, who was the was it Neil was it, it was Lozauer it was Lozauer yeah get in the picture oh man I wasn't at the shoot you weren't there no no I just I it was just... Neil get in there get in there this will be cool and there were Three of us in that room that probably thought it was cool. Except <laughs> one didn't. There was one guy from Philly who didn't think it was <laughs> <They> cool. Probably <laughs> didn't like it at all. And that made the cover. Yeah. And it was, what a great cover. I it remember. It was my first well. cover ever. Yeah. That's, I think it was shot in, at Neil's studio it on was. Yucca, which is still there. Everything was shot there. And next door to my friend Steve Cohen's pizzeria, the Village Pizzeria. Mm -hmm. and we just ate there last night on the way to the Greek Theater. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, we did give you your uh, f first cover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 88. Yep. Oh, shit, look. <laughs> Danielle goes onto her iPhone and pulls up the cover. There it is. That is Ooh, fantastic. Shit. Look at that hairdo. <laughs> How did you get in? That autographed uh, picture, too. There Fred, you've, yeah, probably told, you've probably told countless metal journalists this story, but... What was the confluence of events, the alignment of the stars, so to speak, that got you from from L.A. and London and that scene hanging out with all these, the G&R family, got you into a band fronted by a man from Philadelphia, it a was blues guitar player from Philadelphia. A blues guitar player yeah, yeah. named... Tom Kiefer. Tom Kiefer. Yeah. It was uh, a drummer 
for a band now called The Fabulous Kisses, and his name was Eric Singer. Say it in Paul's voice. It still is Eric Singer. <laughs> it still is Eric Singer. Yeah. He and passed through Alice Cooper on the way back to Kiss, though. He was, I believe, in Black Sabbath at the time, or Lita Ford. Yeah, he's, he's played with everyone. He's journeyman skin basher. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was with Lon- uh, London, and I was playing. I think we were at the Country Club, where I saw you two in 1980, their first show in California. Amazing. I know. Across yeah. from a biker bar. Is that where they yeah. were? That was Bono. Club? Com- Bono comes out at the end of the set and says, "We're going to do this one again because we don't have any more songs." And they did. I will follow a second time. Amazing. It was a K Rock release party. That's great. Roy Thomas Baker sat at me and my friend Peter Weiss's table. He goes, dude, you know who that is? That's fucking Roy Thomas Baker, dude. The Queen record. I go, what? Wow. His hair is pink and blue. And he's got all these girls. He's got Moxie. Yeah. He's had an English accent, too. Yeah, but of course. Yeah, yeah panache. I've got panache. <laughs> I've got Moxie, and I've got a bit of hoodspur. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so get back to... Get back to the drummer. Oh yeah, so Eric Singer. We he just uh, he came and he was sitting kind of behind. I played on this ridiculous radio where there was a girl that would play in the. It looked like a speaker, you know, looked like a big radio, and she would play in what would have been the speaker. I mean, she would dance in it, backlit silhouette, and I was like thirty feet up or something. And he was back there, and we were just chatting. And I said, "Wow, you're the guy that's you know plays with everybody." And you're Eric. I knew who he was. He had no idea who I was, and we just kept in touch. And then um, I went, I quit London. I quit London because Nader came back to my house in New York. And we were driving down the street one day and he just jumped out of the car. <laughs> Literally. Just opened the door and did the tuck and roll and he was gone. <laughs> and I was, I'm responsible for this guy, you know? I was young. I was probably 15 years old, 16 years old. It sounds like something Nader would do. Yeah. Would still do. Yeah. yeah. So and off he went for three weeks, and I just oh my gosh, what never disappeared? Disappeared, and I never. How? I mean, he didn't know anybody there. Like Walter, this, in, like Walter in the Big Lebowski on the bridge. That just was exactly out, the Walter. Out and rolled, rolled and gone. <laughs> and gone. That was it. <laughs> and uh, so I quit the band, and then they went back, and I missed the video <laughs> that here, and it's Freddie the Sassinator, and uh, yeah. And they were what? Declining the Western Civilization Part Two. They were, yeah. Freddie, this is a nader. Freddie, this is nader. I'm gonna kill you if you don't get out here. <laughs> I quit. So uh, that was it. And then I called Eric and I said, "Hey, are there any bands? You know, who do you know?" And he said, "There's this band, Cinderella." And I asked, you know, a couple of questions. Like, did you of, audition? What kind of name is that? Did you audition? I did. Yeah, they sent me a. I spoke to Tom on the phone. I had just done a, that little Aussie thing for a minute in England with him. And he said, uh, yeah, yeah, so you played with him, which was great. I mean, it was two weeks, but uh, enough to get my name in circus as Ozzy's drummer. There you go. Which he saw, which was perfect. There you go. Magazines, influence. It was all magazines. They, back then, we did have a little bit of influence. We had we? nothing but juice. Yeah. 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 So anyway, he said, uh, we'll send you a... Send you a, a couple tracks. They sent me in ten songs. It was mm-hmm. the first record. Mm-hmm. All the demos for that. And if you could learn four of these in a week, that would be great. We'll call you back. Come on out. So I charted it. I write. I wrote everything out. 
I learned the whole record in the overnight, and I called them and I said, "Hey, do you? Um, I'm ready." And they said, "Oh yeah, really? You learned four songs in a day?" And I said, "No, I learned ten." And I said, "Oh, come on down then. You're calling my bluff." And I did. And the next day it was snowing. It was a snowstorm. I couldn't do it. But the day after that, I my mom flying tigers my drum, which is like FedExing my drums. Sure. To thing probably three hundred grand. Yeah, that wasn't cheap. <laughs> yeah. So, but I wanted to audition on my stuff. Because I just went through the thing with Ozzy playing on just, you know, crap equipment, and it didn't go so well. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take my own stuff, so I sent it down there, showed up with a bag of hard candy, mm -hmm. and, you know, because you got to figure I'd have a little bit of sweet bribery. Sure. And, uh, and that, when, that's what did it? That was the contraband? Hard I, candy? I believe so. Okay, good. And it was Jeff. Got a sweet tooth. Okay, good. But he popped out of Eric... Showed up and I was like, oh my gosh, look at these guys. They're rock stars. Their hair is long. They look cool. Yeah. They look great. Skinny, long. It's just the cool leather coats. And Eric came in to get me at the airport. And we went out to his, this little Datsun B210. And out from the back seat, this tiny man named Jeff Labar pops out of the back seat and has a record in his hand. He goes, hey, is this you? And it was Chastain. This right, is the first record I did. And yep. I said, yes, it is. He goes, will you sign it for me? So the first thing I do is I meet these guys and I sign an autograph for Jeff, my biggest fan, still to this day. I mean, I love That's him. Awesome. So I thought I was, a sh you know, I had this gig. And I went in and I played and he called his girlfriend at the time, come down and check this out. And I played it note for note. And um, they wouldn't give me the gig right away. Hmm. Uh because they had one more guy to audition. Mm -hmm. So I went home, and Eric called me up you know, a week later or something. And Hello, is Fred there? And I said, yeah. I said, hey, um, is Eric from Cinderella? I was like, hey. He said, I uh, got some bad news for you. You got the gig. <laughs> and I was like, and I said, uh, um, uh, well, I figured. But uh, what? <laughs> and uh, the rest is, uh, yeah. And it wasn't much long, uh, longer that people were watching girls in polka-dotted skirts running down hallways. I mean, it was mind-blowing. Night songs. It was, it was fast. Neck. It was a fast rise because we started rehearsing, and four months later we were out. You know, we played the Galaxy every Saturday night. We did a couple of shows and yeah. played with Kicks at Lemoore in New York. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, I saw Kicks at the M3. They're great. Like three, I love that three, band so much. Garza, yeah, former Rip Magazine dates and lives with engaged, one of the, engaged to the guitar player, Brian. He's great too. Yeah, yeah. That's the coolest dude. I mean, that that whole band is just amazing. Whatever festival they play, yeah, they're the best band there. Yeah, I don't care who's playing; they're the best band there. Yeah, they're yeah. so. Good. Those cruises, don't they do a lot of those? Huh? The cruises. cruises. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you doing cruises? Yes, I've done four of the done cruises. four cruises. Mm -hmm. Do you like playing on a ship at sea? Does it remind you of Captain Phillips? <laughs> oh man, look it at sure me! Does. Look, look at me! Look I am the captain me. now. I am the captain. I, you will play drums for the drunk fans we with have, the tattoos and pierced noses. Oh, totally! Yes, you totally play, you look at play. me. You will play for them. Why do I sound like Abu at the Quickie Mart now? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want a Slurpee? We I get don't know. You know. You are a pirate, and the pirate, they can get the pirate away from me, Get and you go in the back, and you sit down, and you get me something to eat from the galley. 
The girly man. If you microwave that burrito, it will explode. Girly man, girly me banana. Daylight come. And they want, and they go want to go home. Deo, deo, deo. <laughs> hey, Mike. Yeah. Let's listen to some Cinderella and we'll come back with Fred Corey on Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast.
great Cinderella energize the lawn friend podcast not great but here happy to be here feeling gratitude for uh my visit back to san pedro got my friend of a long time fred Corey, in the studio and wendy's here and danielle's here and walter's here and oh raquel figlo just showed up from rock and roll industries magazine i gave you a couple books to read did you read them i did okay good She's one of my students. Long Cold Winter, one of Lawn Friends' favorite records, goes in the goes in the fucking bin, in the top. When I showed uh, Tom Kiefer my second book, when I gave him my second book after the House of Blues show, I went in the dressing room and and I gave him sweet emotion. He looked at the cover. He goes, "Is this your Long Cold Winter?" Yeah, great. <laughs> and I said. Yes, it is. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. And then, this is funny, because then uh, months, a year or so later, he was doing his solo thing at that metal show taping, and my friend Dan Seawick took me to it. I'd never been to a taping, because frankly, Eddie Trunk never asked me to do a taping, not for either of my books or tell stories ever. But it's okay, because I like it. I heard Eddie just started a podcast called The Ed Trunk Podcast. Sounds a lot like The Lawn Friend Podcast, <laughs> but anybody could do a podcast. I saw Eddie at the M3. He was cool. I love everybody. Anyway, uh, so I, I just, uh, Tom and, his, and his, his wife was there, and I went and I went, oh, Tom, did you ever read my book, Sweet Demotion? And, and he goes, Lawn, you've given me both your books. And I haven't read either of them because, tell him, dear. And she goes, Tom doesn't read. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, wait a minute. He no, Lon, you understand, it's nothing personal. He just, he just doesn't read. And I said, uh, how about you reading it to him or something? Because I remember when I worked with Steven Tyler on his memoir and I was rewriting the first half of the book, he doesn't read either. He has to be read to. Yeah. Do you remember you and me were at the Rainbow one night and you said, if if you ever want to do an audio book, you can come to my studio and I'll record it. Mm -hmm. This is what this fucking guy said. Because my publisher didn't give me an audio book. And Planet Rock is now out of print. And I don't even know if I have the rights to do an audio book. But that's, it's 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 our eight years now. And Sweet Demotion and thought of doing an audiobook although i did think about you doing voices while reading certain chapters <laughs> like the kiss chapter in my first book you doing voices would be would have been awesome but look at those ships have sailed just like the ships are going by us here just in san like pedro Mersk, alabama and you and you, we we once again we return to like the pirate theme the gypsy road the the the, the actor who got a supporting actor nomination you said he's broke. Mm -hmm. That's sad. The guy who does the look Amazing. at me, look at me. Hey, he was so great. That was his first role. Yeah, he's not an actor. Really? Really? No. Does he live in uh, Minneapolis or something now? But he, he nailed it, and he was just yeah. terrifying. And you said he got 60 grand to do it, and he has no money. That's what I've he's read. He's on the gypsy road now. That's what I've read. Yeah. Mm. We can look that up. Well, everything's on Wikipedia. Yeah, I'd like to know. Google, I hope that's not true. Google actually, Captain because Phillips. he was great, and that would be just a shame. 
because it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, me too. The feel-good movie of the summer, Captain Phillips, well, a story about a boy. <laughs> now, speaking and of a pirate, speaking of boyhood, you should see this film. Richard Linklater, who does no wrong in my book, who made Waking Life, School of Rock, all the before midnight, before sunrise. He's like he and Ethan Hawke, best friends from Texas, and we saw this film. Me and my daughter went to see the screening of Boyhood, two hours and forty five minutes, and it it is so extraordinary because the actors are not really actors. It's 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 a narrative fictional it's but it's real because he shoots over 12 years each year these two kids as they're growing up and going through puberty and going through changes and he weaves the story into it i'd never seen a film like it and because just my sync my synchronous life the screening ethan hawk is doing a q a after and Megan and I get there so late that we have to get first row seats. <laughs> so that puts us three feet from Ethan Hawke at the, at the Q&A because he's right up front. So great. So that's like, first we get next strain from watching from the first row. The only time I had ever chosen to be in the first row was when I saw Help in a Hard Day's Night when I was 11 years old at the El Portel Theater in North Hollywood. And me and Ron Myers just had to be up front to see that because mm-hmm. we wanted to see how fucking big they all were. <laughs> But as an adult, you don't want to be in the first row. Yeah, that's my people texting me. They probably can't listen to the stream. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You could listen to it on the fucking link, okay? It, it's an on-demand world, right, Fred? Nobody listens to things live anymore. They, well, I don't know. Well, it's not like a concert here. You'll just listen to it. You'll go home at midnight or next day, smoke a bone bowl and listen to it and go... <laughs> God, that Fred Gore is fucking funny, man. Oh, yeah, barrel of laughs. <laughs> he does a great apu. He does a great apu, that one. <laughs> now, now you're starting to sound like Forrest Gump, which is another well, I'm sounding like our bus driver, Jimmy, talks like this. You yep. see that animal out there in the middle of the road? What do you think he's doing? He's sunning his goober. Uh, no, I think it's it's been run over there, Jimmy. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Oh, well, thanks for telling me. <laughs> That's your butt striper. Yeah, I love him so much. Known him for 30 years. Jimmy? Jimmy. Jimmy Holmes. He's just great. Did they keep you out of trouble? Oh, he, ta- he, he teached us good. <laughs> he wouldn't let us... Uh... Hey, Jimmy, can we pull over? It's all true. Uh, you know, we want to get some to eat. We were huge. Yeah. Uh, should I eat the hotel? No, really, seriously, pull over. Should I eat the hotel? <laughs> okay. Uh, we have a, you know, the fridge, which you can't put any drinks in because there's not really any room, and we have those coolers that are built in with the ice. Jimmy, you didn't get any ice. Don't eat ice. Got the fridge. Jimmy, we don't have anything. Or the opposite way. Don't need that. It's got yeah. the fridge. All our food is mel- melted in the in the fr- nothing's everything's rotten. Don't need a fridge. Got eyes. <laughs> Wouldn't let us do anything ever. Amazing. <laughs> I tell you, times have changed because um, Matt Nathanson came into Las Vegas, and he's such a big fan of Rip Magazine. He had all the issues growing up, and he we Facebook each other, but I hadn't met him. So he's playing the Mandalay Bay pool. 
with um, I forgot who else, but there there may be like three thousand people. So I I'm texting with him, and he goes, "Come on the bus." So I go on this bus, and he's got like whole foods prepared vegan dishes, mm. <laughs> and he he goes, "I'm not gonna get you anything, but you want some hummus, carrots?" I go. It goes, do you want an umbachi drink or <laughs> no? I go, yeah, give me a beer, man. <laughs> he goes, whatever you need, man. Just so fucking honored to have you here on the bus. Uh, I go, you know, man, it's d- different than on the bus. He goes, I know, man. I fucking wish I had been like on Rat's bus in '87. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to be on that bus. <laughs> or <laughs> hazmat here. Yeah. Imagine what that smelled like. Oh. <laughs> Sticky. Oh, it was. oh my god. He he says to me, he goes. I think that the 80s metal just got a bad rap, man. I mean, there's some really tender, strong songs from that here. It's their scene, their image. It it discounted a lot of the music. It it hurt the legacy of some of that music. He's such a fan, dude. He truly is. And he's got like thousands of girls singing, you know. Loosen my legs and open my legs. Think of my things in the back of my leg. Take me, get me so hard. Whatever that song is. <laughs> I love the guy. He's cool. He wore, a, dude, I brought him an original rip shirt. I had one left from 1989 wow. promotion. And I brought it and I and I, I walk into the bus and I go, got you a gift. He goes, are you fucking kidding me? I'm wearing it on stage. I go, Shh, really? He goes, dude, look. Takes his shirt, puts it on, and goes, I'm wearing it on stage. Wore it on stage. Not a, no one at Mandalay Bay seeing Matt Nathanson had a fucking clue what that logo was on his chest. But during the show, I get a fucking Facebook. There's a, on my page is uh, my buddy from TJ Martell, <coughs> Greg Gura. Hey, Lon, check out the shirt Matt Nathanson's wearing on stage at Mandalay Bay. And, and I, I Facebook message him. I'm here, dude. I, I gave him the shirt. He goes, awesome. I want to see you afterwards. So I hung out with him a little bit. He does the boat. He does he does boat stuff, metal boat stuff. I think that's what everybody's going to now. Right? Yeah, yeah. There, it's the boats. He went on it. Michael went on a boat. Cruise. Mike went on. He went on the boat. <laughs> yeah, I did. Which one? The rock boat. And I'm going next year when Michael Fronte is Oh, my right. buddy Michael Fronte. I might have to go on that boat. He just did a yoga tour. Yeah. I love that guy. He's... Boy, I have a lot of really good, nice, friendly people who are getting more and more and more successful and touring the world as I sit in Las Vegas writing for 30 cents a word for the local publications mm. and mining my soul for a third memoir or mm. or perhaps a novel. A novel. Perhaps. What a novel But idea. you know what? I have nothing to complain about because I'm going to be 58 in a couple of weeks, and you said I looked all right. That's really mind-blowing. You There's said no I looked way. okay. Yeah. Then I'm not dyeing my whiskers. No, it's pretty awesome. Because I'm, I'm working at, in the fitness look, center. He doesn't look anywhere near that. He I'm going to the fitness center good. every morning. Mom's looking good. Thanks, guys. Is this your little brother? Good looking kid. Now that was Washington from uh, from uh, Fast Times at the. It's Damone. You called me a scalper. Listen, gentlemen, I provide a service, and that service costs money. Now, do you want the tickets, or don't you? 
It's just sex. <laughs> That's what she said. Listen, it's you wanted sex. it more than I did. Well, what a douche. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy, nice to meet you. <laughs> Come here for the strudel. <laughs> that would... Hey, Rad, found your wallet. <laughs> Want it back? <laughs> When, when, when Cameron Crowe did my pirate radio show. Pirate! Oh, pirate! Shut up, back, here we on. go. God damn, it's amazing, the alignment. In 92, Westwood won, and I was helping him promote the movie Singles, and he, he came and did my show, and my engineer at the time, Jamie Osborne, had, he and I worked for three hours on Fast Times at Ridgemont High Soundbites, and we had them lined up like fucking... Uh like Uzi fire for when Cam came into the studio. And one after, I'd ask a question, Cam would answer, and you'd hear, awesome, totally awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Hyde, do you get a guy like me every year in your class? (laughs) I don't know, nice buds and some tasty ways, and I'm fine. Oh, where'd you get that jacket? This one, the network gave it to me. (laughs) All right, Hamilton. (laughs) Hope you had a heck of a piss, Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So that was fun. You know, radio could be fun. Isn't it? It's, it's a great medium, right? It is. It of course. Is. If you're given the freedom, which is true in all forms of art, if you're given the freedom. Hey, who dictated to you how to make those rec? how to create those records? Pretty much you had... Great people like Andy Johns, the, mm-hmm. late, the late, great, tall Englishman. Lord, it's Andy Johns. Okay, I want to play you the mix of, of pound cake. <laughs> he was really amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm sad. The way how, we talked about this last last year on on my podcast because he he just. He was sick, and he we didn't know how sick, and then he then he died. Mm-hmm. I mean, I lost I lost a great friend uh, in the last couple of weeks, Jeffrey Resner, who I know for thirty years, and Wendy too. Wendy loved Jeff. We were Santa Monica, and Jeff and I wrote we did the Slash Rolling Stone cover story together in nineteen ninety two. I saw Jeff in December. Wendy went to the memorial. I, I was found out from her. No one had any idea he was even sick. He doesn't tell anybody. Like a cat, he just disappears. Mm-hmm. And because you, it's not your A list of the people you talk to all the time, like your daughter or or your your brother, you know, like or your wife, you know, every day you like if people float off the radar, you, it wow, six eight months have gone by and I haven't heard from him. But it's like uh, two weeks ago, I'm thinking, I got to call Jeff because I saw him in December and I was thinking about him. And then I, I get, she sends me a text that he's gone. Gone. And that's what we're at right now in our life. Like I'm getting older. Another Christian man, a guy I know from one of the great fucking prog music guys, worked for Evil Angel video, porn guy, but just salt of the earth, funny. Took me and my kid to lunch. He's cancer. They, I'm reading a Facebook post. There, he's getting. He's he's on the the uh, the drip. You know, he's on the morphine drip. He's like people have are saying their goodbyes. This was like a week, less than a week ago. Really? Wow, oh, fuck. 
I guess I better really appreciate where I'm at. So I'm not, you know, rich and famous, who cares, right? Quality of people and to love music. Fear of death. Fear of life is worse, right, Fred? Mm. That's the absolutely. That's the poison of the soul. Got to live. Yeah, live righteous and humble. Live each day as a lion, rather one day as a lion, rather than one hundred days as a lamb. Thank you. <laughs> you gotta understand some. Fred hails from the same land as Cahil Gibran, so he has the words of the prophet in his written heart. on the subway, on the Whoa. studio walls. Concert halls. <sighs> uh, Rush. Uh, Getty Lee. What's his birthday? July 29th. Mine. <laughs> ah. Thank you, Synchronicity. What do we have queued up, Mike? Anything? How about stealing? Oh, he found it. Who? You ready for some Uriah Heep? Sure. Pirates that steal, hearts, ballad, fucking 70s. Play it, Mike. It's Energized, the Lawn Friend Podcast. <laughs> I've never done it. Mike.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, the only podcast in the world where you will get 1970s Uriah Heap off the Neve warm board into the digitally crushing 2014 Brazilian metal of Project 46. It only happens here, Fred, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, that was Caos Renemado. And Danielle has a tight connection with this band. How else could this band possibly get played here? She, so tell us about this group. Well, um, it's a band that I'm helping to manage here in the States, and their CD just came out. Their second CD just came out in April, and they actually thanked uh, Mr. Lon M. Friends in the I did a little video thing for them. A voiceover thing. Yeah, I did. A vo- I kind of did a voiceover thing for them. Yeah, and they're actually um, on an Ernie Ball website called Battle of the Bands, where bands kind of vie to become uh, like a win a slot in like some of the major festivals. So right now they're trying to get on the Vans Warp tour to do like one show off there. So um, I actually wrote their bio and press release. And she could write a little bit. Right. She's nice. been mentored. Yeah, I actually was helping Lon for a bit, and I helped edit his last book. So, one of the uh, final she, editors. She and Wendy, Wendy both did some proofing of the book well, of, of Sweet Demotion. Yeah, a lot nice. of a lot of sets of eyes had to go through the self-published book. Always, which which sold like Korans in a Hebrew bookstore. Wonderful! I know, flew off the shelf. I like that. Flew off the shelf like Scud missiles over the over over the Gaza. <laughs> That's crazy. Hello. Yo. Yo, dude. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, you know where the prophet was written? This is a trivia question because I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm a huge Gibran fan and I'm... In Israel? No. On a mountain? It was written at 51 West 10th Street in New York City in Manhattan. Yes. Kahil Gibran said to his father, father, I want to go to the, to America and teach them the Eastern way. To, I want to bring the spirit of what you've taught me, what the, this land is, mm-hmm. and take it to the cities, to the concrete jungle. So he wrote in New York City, dude. Mm-hmm. I know. The prophet and, was written in New York City. Yes, and Abraham Heschel, which is a great Hebrew journalist, who, who, who uh, Peter Weiss, father, Rabbi Michael Weiss, the late great Michael Weiss, gave me a book called I Asked for Wonder. It's almost the same voice when you read. And he wrote in New York City, right? Doesn't matter where you are. You can pass the word on. Of course. we got to live together, all of us. Okay, so look at this. Dude, my show's like 90 minutes. I don't do my show for three months. I just show up, and here it goes. 90 minutes is gone. But I'm not finished yet because my, we have no rules here. And Mike is just happy to see me, right, Mike? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for that vigorous response. <laughs> and Fred Corey's here. So I, 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 I mentioned this early on in the program that I had some, that in 2000 I interviewed Gene Simmons at the Mandalay Bay Hotel for KNAC.com. And I have a lot of stuff. I was playing some of it for Fred in the car. But what I'm going to do is like, Time flew, so I'm going to play like one meaty segment of me and Gene talking. And prior to that, I'm going to play a Kiss song. And then when we come back, we're going to wind it up with Fred and the gang and just my overwhelming sense of gratitude for being here. So why don't we 
intro Gene with his landmark narcissistic anthem, <laughs> God of Thunder, and then we'll be back. <laughs> okay.
let me get this right. Your God comes from Bethlehem. He's Jewish. His mother's Jewish. His father's Jewish. Why would you pick on it? Why wouldn't you pick like a Buddhist or something? No, he's, well, I'm going to get a God, the son of God. I'm going to make him Jewish. You guys are whacked. <laughs> You're out of your mind. Yeah. His name is Yeshua Ben Yosef. That's his real name. Incidentally, it doesn't come from Mr. and Mrs. Christ. That comes from the Latin word Christo, which means Messiah or King. So what's Christ's last name? It's not Christ, honey. His last name is Ben Yosef. Okay. Was. See, now you can know something about the religion. You guys are weird. <laughs> you cross yourself. No, no, no. Star David. Cross came after. Somebody else decided. What is this, you guys? I'm a Jew just like you. Yeah, what are you but, saying, you guys? They're yeah, all goyim over there. Well, the audience <laughs> is goyim. <laughs> no, no, no cross. I'm no, cross down with after. you, brother. Somebody mentioned that if Christ was killed today, God forbid, that the sign of the religion would be like an electric chair or like a little gun on a chain because the sign of Christianity is a symbol of torture and death. It, it is. It's weird. Why would you pick a sign of death and torture as the religious symbol? Well, look at how many wars have been fought in his name. I mean, the Muslims have a crest. It's kind of nice, kind of like a moon. It's up in the sky. The right. Jews have like a star. I get it. Other people have different things. No, no. We're going to get something that looks like you can have blood blood guts and uh, and put that around your neck i'm scared i'm going oh my god what the whole that? premise is wrong it's weird it's weird and also you know joseph this poor guy marries mary gets son jesus and she's going well sorry it's not yours uh it's god's he impregnated me what <laughs> it's not mine and what's joseph going to say god did you did you just do my wife <laughs> Like, just come over here for a second. What's he going to say? <laughs> Boy, am I going to be in trouble now. Because it's all true. You never thought about this, did you? <laughs> Incidentally, for those of you that do, do read the New Testament, I was a theology major. Jesus had, son, uh, Jesus had uh, brothers and a sister, okay? You guys should read the New Testament. He was not the only child that Mary had. No, wait a minute. They it were half-brothers and no, sisters. No, no, no. They were real ones. With Joseph. Okay, with Joseph, but Jesus was No, Jesus Joseph. was the Immaculate Conception. Right. If you, if you buy ha it. His half-brothers. In some ways, If you yes. buy it. No, if you're of the, of the belief, then he is the Immaculate Conception, the rest are not. But people have the misnotion that he's the only child. Incorrect. There was James. There was Jesse. I don't mean like Jesse James. There was Judas, not Judas Iscariot seven something like that and all isn't isn't religion mostly mythology though not to people to people it's more real than reality they will kill for it yeah wars they'll kill for it die they'll r r die for it somebody says jump off that building because christ will catch you before you hit to the bottom somebody's going to jump A lot of people can't live without that faith, though. Uh, no comment.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. That's Dr. Love. That's the God of Thunder. That's the man who, uh, in 1987, the week after I took over Rip Magazine, I was at a party for uh, something, and this tall man, very recognizable, came up to me and he said, Your Lawn Friend. Rip Magazine, a Larry Flint publication. And I said, how do you know that? He goes, I'm Gene Simmons. I know everything. I go, wow. He goes, there are things I can teach you, and there are things you're going to help me with. I go, all right. And we did. Um, I learned a lot from that man, and 
we did the comeback makeup cover, which is a classic story, which I talk about in my book, because first book, Planet Rock, because my art director was really, Craig Jones didn't understand that the star was on the right eye and not the left eye, but he liked the word logo was and how the, the composition of the photo. So he flopped the frame and the, and it looked great, but the star was on the wrong eye. <laughs> and the funny thing about it is, is like for weeks, no one noticed. What would that phone call would have been like from Ball if he'd have called my office? Hey, mister, you got that wrong. You fucking it's on the pussy, wrong side. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about that Gene Simmons. Yes. Yeah, that nice man. Yes. I was jogging one day, West Hollywood, and I see Gene walking down the street with a bunch of coffees. And I hadn't seen him in, in many years, and I ran up to him, jogged up to him. Hello, Uncle Fred. Hi, Gene. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Of course he answers. You don't even need to answer. He's no. great. He's yeah. Gene. Yeah. Uh, he said, uh, what, have, what have you been doing lately? I said, I do television music. I've just been, I was doing bumpers. I didn't have a show. I didn't have anything. He said, well, really? Television music? Do you know I have a television show? Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Have you seen it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I did. Of course I did. It's a great show. Family jewels. Yeah. He said, uh, are you any good? And my quick thinking, uh, I said, what would Gene say? I was, uh, I'm very good. Yes. And he said, well, why don't you walk with me? And he walked me down to where they were shooting the show and introduced me to his producer and said, this is a friend of the band. His name is Fred. Uh, he's a television composer. And uh, let's see if he's any good. And if he is, let's put him to work. Hmm. How does that sound? And I said, sounds amazing. <laughs> so uh, I, I got the information where to send my stuff. I FedExed it for the next day. And two or three days later, I got a call back. And I got season three of Family Jewels. Wow. And he gave me my first television composing job. There you go. And he didn't ask for anything. He didn't take any percentages mm -hmm. of anything, mm -hmm. all of it from me. And uh, he said, I, I want you to turn this into something bigger. So take it and run with it. Mm -hmm. So he gave me the whole thing. And now when I went up to, I, rent, I was at Bruce Kulick's wedding. Mm -hmm. And I ran into Gene. And I said, Gene, you gave me my first shot on TV. And now I have a big NBC show, primetime. He was so genuinely happy yeah he was so it was amazing he was so happy for me and uh, you know people can say what they want about gene but he really does want people to succeed and to do well and yeah. you know he, it, say what you will but what an amazing guy he really he's kind of the reason that my whole thing turned i could use that as as yeah as uh well, yeah, some people just need a so crack nice. in the door because you're reinventing yourself as a musician. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not, not going to tour around with Cinderella for the rest of your life. Got to yeah, create I, new I opportunities. Yeah, and it was all to him. So I um I found this disc and I listened to it. It's over an hour. 
He's talking about money, fear, children, dreams, groupies, Christ, the commandments, acting, the Middle East, being president. Kiss. He, 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 there's a part of this is where he's saying, this is February 20, 2000, February 2000. We're, we've got 23 dates left on this tour, and then the, we're pretty much, we're done touring, and then we're going to build other things. But the Kiss is a touring band will be done. Okay, this was... This was 14 years ago and he had no intention of stopping <clears throat> I was at a I was flown out for a show in Boston uh, Worcester Mass Kiss Slaughter and Kiss Slaughter God, Faster was Pussy Cat band. Were they on mm-hmm. Kiss Slaughter cause mm. cause was during the, I forgot the third no. band Maybe extreme, but I think, but the but d- during the kisses set, I'm in the dressing room. Mark Slaughter goes, "Lon, let's go into the pit and watch Kiss." And I went, "Okay." So we went into the pit, and the fans were like crazy. No makeup at this time, right? This is the no mm. makeup. This is 19 whatever, 90, no makeup. And he's uh, he starts flicking picks at me and Mark, mm-hmm. like picking us out. Mm-hmm. And laughing on stage, doing Gene and laughing. And we're having the best time. So I think Mark and I had like three beers. And then I, I go in the, the kids' dressing room afterwards. I go, Gene, that was so much fun, man. I really felt alive. He goes, Lon, when are you going back to Los Angeles? I said, um, I'm supposed to get a flight uh, tomorrow. I think my flights, I can only stay one night. He goes, you're going to fly back with me and Paul. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we fly MGM Grand Air. It's a private charter. It's like flying on a hotel. Charlie, he gets his walkie-talkie. Charlie, Charlie Hernandez. Remember Charlie know, Hernandez? He worked for us. He was our... our Charlie, manager. yeah, G- go, Gene. Lon Friend is flying home with us tomorrow. He's going to take the car with us from Boston to to JFK. We're going to ride, and then we're going to fly. He's flying with us, me and Paul. I go, whatever you say, no problem, Gene, done. So the next, I go, wow. He goes, and while we're on the plane, I will give you, and Paul and I will give you an exclusive interview for the magazine. And I go, okay. And I talk about this in my first book. That was the flight where we discussed the Beatles and where they came from, what, why, how he, the comic book Beatles was his dream, and 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 it was such a surreal. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know who's on the plane with us? He points out this guy and goes, "Do you know who that gentleman is over there?" I go, "Who's that?" He goes, "That's Mike Nichols." I go, "Mike Nichols, the director, the graduate." I go, "Yeah." He goes, "That's a great man." So as so we're leaving the plane, getting off, we're blind. We're we're walking out and, um. Gene was standing right behind Mike Nichols. He goes, I'm a big fan. And Mike Nichols turns around and goes, I'm a big fan of yours. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Nichols. (laughs) But that was awesome. Uh, And um, I haven't seen Gene in a long time. The last time I saw him was was when Craig Gass took me to the A&E roast at the Key Club. Mm Mm-hmm. 
when they just tore him apart and he took everything and it was classic and i was the guy sitting at the table with jeff tate and mike mccready and i was the guy that introduced jeff tate to mike mccready and i and and, and mccready goes lon will you introduce me to jeff tate like I go, yeah. And I go, Jeff, Mike McCready. I go, you guys are fucking neighbors you never met. <laughs> wow, yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> Scott Ian was there. It was fun. Jeff Ross was brutal. He always is brutal. That was a fun night. I met Lisa Lampanelli that night. Okay, so listen. Fred Corey. It was great. Hey, I'll bring you this disc back if I in, a, in a, another four months if I get another opportunity when I'm passing through L.A., Long Beach, do another show. I have no clue where I'm going. I'm going back to the desert tomorrow, probably, or yeah, and then uh, continue my life and uh, my love of rock and people and my friendships with guys like Fred and Raquel and Walter and Wendy and Danielle and whoever else is out there listening. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Fred. Thank you so much. This is just a blast. I told you it was fun. Gosh, I should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> week after week. I could have been a co-host. Here's the thing about Fred Corey. Whenever I have called him about anything, he has said yes. Fred, this producer, I don't even know who she is, but she wants to do a TV show on the internet with me. And I came up with this name, Lunch with Lawn. L-U-N-N-C-H with L-O-N-N. And I'm going to shoot a pilot at the rainbow. We're going to sit in the booth and just talk. He goes, I'm there. So he's there. He does it. It doesn't. No one sees it. It never gets sold or marketed. But he did it. Did we, we went, And then we went to see The Fix. Reach the beach. Wasn't that fun? Yeah. It was just the three of us. Yeah, because I'd never have it. I don't have another. And we ate at some lion. crazy Mexican place down the street. We did, and that was Julian Douglas's place. Yeah, Julian Douglas, where everything sounds like this. How you doing, Lon? Great to see you, Lon, on stage five. Club vodka. <laughs> <laughs> stage five. Stage five. You guys, come on, Fred. You here? Come on in. That's so great. Everything. You, you need a bottle? No, you need a cool. bottle. <laughs> No, we need a seat. Well, no, there's no there's just no standing seat. room only. <laughs> but if you needed a bottle and you had a table, I'd get it for you. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. fix. They were amazing. They were great. They were really, really awesome. That's, I was having that 80s New Order thing last night. Like, wow, these guys, they, they still have songs that you want to hear. Yeah, and they play them well. They're professional. They've been doing it. Uh, I was really impressed with the fix. I'm a yeah. big fan. Stephen Piercy was a big fan of that. That's one of the reasons that Arcade kind of that whole thing got together. Really? We, of our love for the fix. Loved that band. You know, a couple years ago, I had a conversation with Richard. Richard? Singer? The Contraband? Who? Who sang in Contraband? Shark Island? I don't know. What was his name, Dan? Yeah, Shark probably Island? Blotzer's band? Yeah, Blotz. They had that one song, the cover song. Very nice. Nice job. And and what's her name from, uh, was it Cher in that from Vixen? See, I'm not wikipedia this shit. I don't know anything about that band. I know and They zero. made one record and we covered it and it was a really Wasn't good record. Janie Lane? 
No. <laughs> huh. Then no. I don't know. I'm, I don't know anything. I don't that. even know why I'm bringing it up because I, I don't have a cyclopedic mind. And um, The fix. I'm going to bring you right back to it. The fix. It's yeah. called a segue. Yeah. So this, is, uh, this has been a special Lawn Friend Energized podcast. This is not the Ed Trunk podcast. This is the Lawn Friend podcast. The Ed Trunk podcast is fully financed, well distributed, marketed, and socially mediated all over the fucking world because it's the Ed Trunk podcast. The Lawn Friend podcast is found in the cracks and crevices and ether of wherever you find cracks, crevices, and etheric music and conversation. If that made any sense to you, Fred Gorey, you're in trouble. <laughs> Thanks, Mike Stark, for having me back for an evening. We did, we did two freaking hours. This is the longest show I've had since the Matt Sorm farewell, the one-year anniversary. Hey. I, it's... Yeah. Hey, oh, Lon, I got to tell you about the fucking dolphins, man. <laughs> I just do better with drummers. I just do. Oh. I do. I don't know. Richard Black. Richard Black. That's him. I had a conversation with him. Whatever. You, I'm happy I got to turn you on to Uriah Heap tonight. That was fantastic. Because you stealing one that should have been buying. That was really I, great. I mean, do they write lyrics like this anymore? I done the rancher's daughter, and it <laughs> sure did hurt his pride. <laughs> Raquel, what are you laughing at? You are the rancher's daughter. <laughs> You're the Bolivian rancher's daughter. <laughs> okay, well, we can stay here all night, Mike Stark, but really don't have any place to be. <laughs> Why don't we go get a drink? Let's go get a beer, Fred. A beer? It's got to be gluten-free. Yeah, gluten-free beer. Uh, do they have it? They do have it. See, like me, you're watching your diet. I have high glucose and high cholesterol. And that's a wrap. <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go out. Hey. We're going out with a classic. Thank you, you fuckers. We're coming home. Cinderella, Fred Corey, blonde friend. Thanks, Lon. See you. Thanks, buddy. Walk down a road, it's the road I was meant to stay. I see the fire in your eyes, but a man's gotta make his way. So, are you toughing up on my
stay I see the f-